1: you're free how you doing happy friday thank god it is uh friday um i am in a stressful position today my children find out where they go to high school in september if you can imagine uh it's been uh, a nail biter and um i'm not a big prayer person, but I was on my knees praying last night, let me tell you. Anyway, happy Friday. Good to have you with us here on The Only True Democracy and Talk. Thank you for listening to us on radio, on stream, on podcast, and watching us on Twitter's Periscope, Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, and and, uh, did I miss one? YouTube Live. Uh, This uh, show is very exciting today. We have back with us Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Now, the AAM is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers, and the United Steel Workers Union. And for well over a decade, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American Manufacturing a top-of-mind issue for voters, hello, infrastructure bill, and our national leaders through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. Please check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. <coughs> That's attractive. Isn't that good? That's what live is all about. Yes, Excuse you. me. Thank you. Uh, the website is AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, at Keep It Made in USA, which the president wants and which we really should do. We're finding out dependency on things from other countries not working out so well. And uh, follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Scott, more than a pleasure to have you with us uh, on this Friday. There's so much to talk about and I'm very excited to talk about it with you. Thanks for joining us and coming back. Leslie, thanks for having
0: me on. Fingers crossed for you. Know how stressful that is. I guess the the only silver lining is that it's good prep for college admissions and four years. Yeah,
1: you know, somebody told me though <laughs> yesterday, uh, somebody told me, it, actually it was um, like a doctor of, of mine that their kids are grown now, but they went yeah. to these same schools and through this process and her daughter actually went to the school my daughter wants to go to. And um, she said, college was easier. Because there were more of them, and with college, you get accepted at a number of them. These schools kind of talk to each other. It'll be like, "Well, you take mm. Scott, I'll take Leslie." So you usually you might end up with one or two, but it's more like you get in one and get waitlisted at the other. Everybody gets into their like their their dud choice, but yeah. <laughs> I should say their last choice, you know. But um, yeah, that's the situation. I know you know what what I feel you were sharing with oh, me yeah. about. You know, I'm glad your son got him where he wanted. Um, let, let's talk about your great piece, your opinion piece, uh, entitled Biden's policies are creating a legitimate manufacturing uh, return. Um, when the president had a State of the Union address, which must have gone over well because his approval ratings increased, and I feel he kind of reset, look, I know what people out there tell you I'm about, my party's about, this administration and our goals are about, but here's what it is. And I think when people heard that, uh, they were just like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's what I'm interested in, what I'm about. And not just Democrats. We saw independents as well. Um, Politics aside, because I know the AAM is nonpartisan, but something the AAM obviously cares a lot about is uh, manufacturing, manufacturing returning, which all comes under the umbrella of the economy, right? And the economy is the most important issue to voters, whether it be yeah, inf- uh, inflation excuse me prices at the pump jobs and this all you know comes under the same heading of manufacturing within that umbrella uh, the president talked about in the economic agenda his commitment to American manufacturing was it just lip service and is it something that not just you needed to hear and were relieved to hear, um, but that started showing a pathway toward what he was talking about and toward that commitment?
0: Sure, Leslie. Um, Well, you know, Biden put uh, jobs uh, made in America, manufacturing uh, front and center um, after obviously he dealt with the crisis in Ukraine, which is incredibly important and Russia's invasion uh, thereof. Uh, And I would say that, you know, there are lots of presidents who do talk about this. I mean, our last president talked about it a lot. Uh, Barack Obama talked about made in America. I remember it was the centerpiece of his 2012 State of the Union address. Um, I don't expect Americans to remember that because most people forget the State of the Union address the day after it's given, but those of us in public policy tend to remember these things. But I would say the thing that sets Biden's uh, both record policies speech apart is that he does have some things to show for it already. he pointed out, and he's right about this, that last year we added more manufacturing jobs than we have for any year in the last 30 years, which is incredible uh, to, to think about. I mean, I th- there were a lot of things that I'm sure people thought Joe Biden would do. You know, he kind of has that blue-collar street cred. I don't think creating 360-some-thousand manufacturing jobs was probably one of them. I, I'm not sure I... Thought that that was possible, uh, but but here we are, and this didn't happen by accident. I mean, some of this is obviously the economy is opening back up, we continue to grow, you'll we'll get some manufacturing jobs that that way. But there are a couple of other things going on here. First, are the policies uh, that he's putting in place, and they range from infrastructure investment, which creates demand for manufactured materials, which will mean more jobs in factories. Uh, to other ways to strengthen and grow the economy and encourage supply chains to come back to the United States uh, through procurement policies, Buy America, it's called. I know that we'll get into that a little bit, too. But that that attracts investment that might have gone to another country, into the United States, because if they want to serve the federal procurement market, which is very big, it's like $500 billion, got to make it here. Uh, And so they got to locate their factory here. And, and, And some companies... Have done that because Biden's made that uh, an issue. Um, And so I think, and then on top of that, and I think this is the other important thing, I think corporate America, and I'm not going to say this is everybody, but I think at least some companies have discovered that maybe they went a little too far in globalizing their supply chains and stringing them out all over the world, making them subject to shipping delays or Conflict or natural disasters or other things that are beyond their control, and if they want to continue to serve the American consumer market, maybe they should make them in the United States. And I think some companies, not, not everybody yet, but I think some companies have discovered that. So there you go. You know, I I remember, and you probably do too. Lots of smart people said like a decade ago, well, factories are never coming back. We're never going to see big factories come back to the United States, and we saw a bunch of big factory announcements that have been made over the past 12 months about factories that are indeed coming to the United States of America. Uh, and each one of these factories is going to employ more than a thousand people. So uh, there, there is something going on here.
1: Um, you know, life is different inside the Beltway than outside the Beltway, right? Um, oh, yeah. But what you talked about um, last year, the stock market had a 27 percent increase. We've had more jobs under this president and this administration created for decades. And the United States is leading the world in uh, economic rebound from this pandemic. Um, I'm gonna ask you something, it's not too political, but you know, with that being said, and we'll get to Buy American next, with that being said, why is it one of the Democrats, the Democrats were having their little powwow, you know, their, their, their retreat. And one of the Democrats said, the American people love our policies, and look at all the good that's happened, you know, because of it. So why don't why do they hate us so much, or why don't they like the president more? And I was just wondering because you talk with these workers, you know, what I mean, you talk with you know these voters yeah. across the board. Uh, why do you think that is? Because you know, really, you're talking about job creation, you're talking about Wall Street, uh, you're talking about clearly a turnaround. A lot of people even say you know, on paper, <laughs> this just doesn't match, you know, what the approval ratings are, even though they've come up, of him and of Democrats. And of course, that's a concern for me as a Democrat going into midterms.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that's a, There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, there's some things that I know, and there's some things that I, uh, I have a good hunch about. Um, I, I think one thing that is clear is that, people's views of the economy have become far more politicized over the last 10 years, uh, coming out of the Great Recession. And even if Obama had like some success, uh, Republicans didn't want to give him credit for that. And, and obviously that was standard, you know, opposite in, in the Trump administration. Uh, and so, yeah, you're right, the metrics are good, but I think it's easy, depending on where you consume your news, to all you hear about are gas price hikes, uh, and, uh, you know, and, 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 regulations and other stuff like that. Uh, and so th- I think that's a big piece of it as well. And then on the policies, you're right. People love democratic policies, uh, but, but it's the emotional or value connection that I think they struggle with. Do they understand who I am? You know, because most Americans don't have a four year college degree, but Democrats tend to talk to people like they always do.
1: Oh, very good point. We're going to come back with Scott Paul, president of AAM. Right after this, when we come back, we're going to talk about Buy American, which you should. I'm Leslie Marshall. We are back with Leslie Marshall. Happy Friday, TGIF. We have with us Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. And check out the website. Like I said, there's so much information on there. I get information on there. If you want to keep it made in USA, Well, check out their website. They always have and and spotlight different companies that are American-made, and they tell you about the companies, where you can get the stuff. And almost everybody has um, the ability to ship when you can purchase online if you're not near a store. Or if you're one of those people that's kind of like staying home and doesn't want to get out as much, AmericanManufacturing.org. Also on Twitter, follow at KeepItMadeInUSA. They give a lot of information, not just about manufacturing, but about what we're going to talk about by American, how you can, where you can, and from whom you can. And Scott, follow him at Scott Paul, AAM. So let's talk by American uh, for a minute. Um, And specifically, uh, you had mentioned in the last um, segment, Scott, and also the president mentioned in a State of the Union address, uh, the infrastructure bill that was passed that was bipartisan. And specifically within that legislation, uh, he spoke of by American commitments, uh, you know, in those. And 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 that's great, you know, and great for companies. But don't we have even more more incentive now when you have Russia that has invaded uh, Ukraine and when you have uh, one by one, they're coming out. Right. But I threw out my Coke Zero when Coca-Cola wasn't going to leave Russia. Now they have. I wasn't going to go to McDonald's when you know, they weren't going to close down, which they did 800, uh, you know, locations in Russia. Um, You know, we we have that power. And I think if something is, I think people are looking like, you know, what kinds of vodka aren't made? I like Belvedere. It's really expensive, but it's made in Poland. Um, But, you know, things that we can get from Russia and then China as well. And I say that because China, you know, the president of China and Vladimir Putin are buddies. And I think the American people and the Western world, because we make up um, more more than fifty percent of the world's uh, you know income in Western world, and you know together uh, China and Russia make up less than twenty percent. That is really where we have power uh, is with our consumerism and and, and with our dollar and what we spend it on and where we spend it. So can you speak to that? Because I, I think what's happening in the world right now should push us to to want to buy American even more, not just to support so many people coming out of a pandemic who are reopening or trying to start up a business.
0: I, I totally agree. And I can speak to both what we can do as, as private citizens, what companies can do, and then what the government can do, because I, I think it's important. And, and Leslie, you probably remember the divestment campaign around apartheid in South Africa um, absolutely from, 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 the, from the 1980s. And it took years to get companies to pull out of South. It took years and, and, and many did True. it reluctantly. And the power of the digital economy and consumer voices and social media, th- this is one case where it worked for good. And some companies were a few days behind where they should have, but it was days. It wasn't years. It was days where, where, where they pulled out of Russia. China is a different story. There, there's, there's many that are still entrenched in China that, that have no desire, I, I think, to get out, and that it would take them a longer time to, to unwind. In part because they have so much production based there, whereas in Russia it was just kind of the Russian consumer market that they that they were serving. Um, so it's a bit of an apples to oranges. It'll take longer in China, but but I think companies have to be thinking about that with a lot of the actions the Chinese government is taking as well. Um, but, but I think that is totally true, and we've seen that these Western brands uh, have generally responded the right way to this pressure. Now, the government uh, can obviously play a role in all of this too. It does it directly with bad actors through these sanctions, the saying you just can't do business uh, in in Russia uh, or or pursue financial transactions. Um, but the government can also set a great example. Through its own purchases, and this is something that again the Biden administration has not only talked about but has done something about, mm-hmm. where we have this massive amount of new investment coming in in infrastructure. Uh, you know, and 1.2 trillion dollars will be spent uh, in infrastructure over the coming years. Everything from broadband to the bridges mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to be on, and there's a strong requirement in there that the materials for all of that, whether it's the 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 optical cable for the for the for the broadband. Uh, the structural steel for the bridges, um, the, the rebar for the, that goes into the, the, the roads, um, or the, the water pipes uh, that, that will serve clean water to communities. Uh, they will have to be made in America uh, because of a requirement that was agreed upon is one of the few bipartisan achievements, I think, uh, that we've seen over the last uh, year and a half. And, and Leslie, beyond that, you know, for other purchases that the federal government makes, uh, Biden is upping a Buy America requirement for that too. Uh, and it used to be the case that only just over 50% of a particular product had to be kind of finally assembled, the, the value added in the United States to qualify as as made in America for, for a government purchase. That's going to move up to 75%. Um, and, and so that's going to be mean more investment in the U.S. Mm-hmm. economy, more jobs. And so we're, he's headed in the right direction on, on this. It's long overdue. Uh, and it's its actually, by the way, something Trump said that he would do something about, but really never did. Um, mm-hmm. So this is something where Biden has taken this issue and he's actually doing something about it. He's appointed someone uh, who works inside the White House at OMB, who's the made in America czar, basically. And uh, in is going to work throughout the federal government uh, to get them to comply. And she's great. She used to work at the AFL-CIO, Celeste Drake, uh, and uh, worked for the Directors Guild and has all the right senses on this. And so you have someone who's going to be watching over this uh, literally as a watchdog uh, within the federal government.
1: And and, and that's incredible. You wrote in this uh, great piece of yours – uh, that the president brought up domestic investment and the reshoring of supply chains, which we had talked about. Uh, you talked about 2021 last year, the year the factories really did come back uh, to uh, the American economy. Uh, and you talk, you said it's been a wave of reindustrialization that other presidents have promised to realize but failed uh, to achieve. So let me ask you, that's all wonderful. Speech was wonderful. Legislation's wonderful. Job creation that we're going to get going forward and what we've seen thus far incredible. But let's talk about inflation, right? Yeah. Um, The president, and and I do believe the inflation is not Joe Biden's fault with one piece of legislation, we're crying out loud. Um, President Biden has a solution for high inflation. Some people say it's counterintuitive. um, But it would bring factory jobs back to the United States, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a byproduct of this inflation plan? That's right. um, can, you, can you speak to that briefly? And if we don't finish, we'll go into it in the next segment because I know we yeah. have a break soon.
0: I'll be happy to because I'll, I'll break it down very quickly for folks. It's the right kind of supply-side economics. You, you remember supply-side economics from the right? where It was trickle-down. It was like yeah. if you give these businesses tax cuts, wealthy investors tax cuts, the benefits will trickle down to the economy. That didn't work. This is the right kind of supply-side Economics If you build up the supply in the United States, if you know anything about economics, if the supply increases, the price is going to come down, which means inflation is going to come down. So it's a great plan. And there's some specifics uh, that will allow it to happen that I'm very excited
1: about. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about that and some other things here with Scott Paul. I'm Leslie Marshall. Be sure to check out their website, like I said, AmericanManufacturing.org. You want to buy American? There's companies out there that I didn't know. We're like, were Oh, they're made in America? Awesome. I'm already buying it. I'll buy more. Uh, go to Twitter. Follow them there at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Back after this. We are back. on Leslie Marshall. Our guest is Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. And Scott, it can be found at Scott Paul AAM. Follow him there on Twitter. And the American Manu- AAM can be found on Twitter at Keep It Made in USA. Go to their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. There's a lot of valuable information. Uh, Scott, I, I know we have other things to talk about. I want to get to those as well. Um, but, you know, You had spoken about the Reaganomics, uh, the decades-long argument that employers move jobs abroad to lower their costs by relying on cheaper workers. But that trend contributed to almost 7 million U.S. manufacturing jobs uh, in the past 22 years, since 2000. Inflation is at a 40-year high. And the president's argument is that globalization is stoking those higher prices, right? So um, he talks about two courses on inflation, either pull back on support and cause wages and growth to cool, or- it can get rid of the pressure points that can lead to inflation when emergencies and uncertainties occur uh, by having more goods manufactured uh, here in the United States. And I think we know that's essential after the right. recent disruptions in COVID nineteen, the you know the pandemic shortages of basic goods, semiconductors, destructive storms, wildfires, and now we have the Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, that has sent um, oil, uh, you know, soaring. The president said, "Quote: Making it in America is one of the ways we can address our cost and supply chain." Ah, uh, challenges. Um, you don't have a crystal ball, but I, I wanted you to speak to this, and we're, you know maybe all of this bad will turn out to be good for manufacturing and increasing our our position in the world as manufacturers, leading in, in manufacturing, perhaps once again, are getting closer to China. Uh, With with that. And, um, you know, uh, truly having Americans uh, purchasing goods and mortgages that are made here, which, you know, would obviously create many more jobs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is a I I tell you what, it is sometimes hard to uh, to to bite my tongue. Um, What I want to say, we told you so uh, for a long time about about this offshoring and, and what could happen with it. Uh, but I think that you're right, that if there is a silver lining to come out of all of this, it is a deeper understanding of the costs of globalization, of hyperglobalization, right? Uh, and, and supply chains that are strung all over the world in search of a low labor cost. Understanding that labor is a small cost of a manufactured good now, that, that a lot of it is about research and development and marketing and patents and shipping uh and and lots of other stuff and markup uh and that the the actual labor cost uh is 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 pretty small um and so if you're going around the world searching for that uh you you forget all of these other problems that can build up uh until there's a crisis and then it hits you in the face and that's exactly what's happened here with covid uh with some of the challenges with china uh, and now with the challenges with russia and it you know some people will say well it costs more to manufacture in the United States. And the answer to that sometimes is yes, it does sometimes, although you don't have to buy you know, your sweatshirt every year. You have to buy it every 10 years instead, so you're actually saving money.
1: I was going to point that out. If you're, if, if you're buying one uh, instead of 10, you're, it, people don't realize you are spending more when you're getting that slashed price because you're getting a poor quality uh, you know, a, a lesser made product.
0: Yeah. Yeah, th- th- that's right. And, and the more you can control your own production, your own inventory, your own quality, you will be able to keep your cost down that way and and to be able to respond to consumer demand. It's a lot easier to do it in the United States than to try to call up a subcontractor in China or India and anticipate what demand is going to be in a couple of weeks and what shipping is going to be and trying to make it all work. Uh, I I think that that too many people have discovered uh, that it is extraordinarily complex and they can make good money uh, when everything is running perfectly. However, I don't think that we can assume that everything is going to be running perfectly for a long, long time to come. And so just like there was this herd mentality that sent jobs out of this country starting a couple of decades ago, where company after company just went in search of looking for the lowest labor cost, the labor they could exploit in Indonesia or China or Mexico or wherever it was, in the environment that they could exploit as well, and that they were enabled by our tax policies, our trade policies that lowered tariffs as well. I, I think that there is a reckoning now, and there's, there's an understanding that, you know, the way to right some of these wrongs and also deal with inflation and have it stabilize is to have more production uh, occur in the United States. And I think that we can turn a corner here. I think that we'll have more semiconductor production in the United States that will lower ultimately the cost of electronics. Uh, We'll have more electric vehicle production here in the United States that will eventually lower the cost of electrical vehicles, Uh, clean energy, manufacturing generation as well. Um, And so all of this, I think, cumulatively will make a difference. Uh, None of it's going to switch off and on overnight. I mean, and I think that's the hard thing is people want something now. And what's driving a lot of the inflation now are just shortages uh, because people are buying more stuff than they ever have been because they're not traveling anywhere. I mean, it's just, I mean, we used to spend more money on services, less on goods, and and the COVID flipped that, you know, and so- I think some of that will smooth out. I think we'll get more production in the United States. I think some of this will, but it is going to take a little bit. I mean, this is not something that's going to turn around Mm -hmm. next week or a month, but I think months from now, we will see some significant change. And the good part about this too, Leslie, is that that means that there's going to be jobs that go along with it. There are going to be people working in these factories that are going to be earning really good money, and that's going to spin off other
1: jobs in the economy. That's my favorite four-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S. You know, when we look at, you know, the polls, right, regarding uh, banning Russian oil, as the president did, um, it was seven out of, seven and 10, Americans said, I'm okay with that, I'm okay with paying more at the pump, do it, right? So I wish that Americans, seven out of 10, would have the idea, I'm willing to pay a little bit more to get a better quality product, to keep it made here, And to provide a job for my neighbor yeah and 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 i i feel that in covid at the beginning of it we saw how maybe disconnected we were from that feeling right that we're all in this together and if we can get to that and 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 you know uh emulate the ukrainian patriotism you know i i think we might be onto something because not everything is blue and right uh blue and red excuse me left and right. Uh, or Democrat and Republican, not everything's political. When I, I think supporting, you know, people say, you know, don't go to the big chain, support those mom and pop businesses. Yeah. Well, a lot of those mom and pop businesses lost their business during the pandemic. And a lot of those mom and pop businesses lose, um, you know, those people lose their jobs when these big factories have gone overseas year after year. So I, I think it's essential that we um, are more educated consumers, you know, that, that we know what we're what, what we're getting, where it was made, and that we have some kind of stream of consciousness about what we're buying. You know, certainly we have our things that are favorite, you know, maybe right. not good for you, you know, hello, Coke Zero. But, you know, um, <laughs> at, you know, at, at the same time, yeah. you know, because we do have that choice and we're very privileged to have have that choice. Yes, it's expensive to live right now. Things are kind of tough. Um, but I, I think we need to think of that and to see that. I want to move on uh, to this. The president announced a tougher new rule for federal Buy America procurement, Um, he finalized the new Buy American Rule for federal procurement. For people that don't understand or that, you know, aren't, you know, reading all of this stuff, can you explain to folks what federal procurement is and uh, what this new Buy American uh, Rule for federal procurement is and what that means to we the consumers and and to jobs and manufacturing?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so the government uh, is the largest consumer in the United States. Uh, it buys a lot of stuff, everything from office paper <laughs> to, uh, to to consumer to, to electronics for its employees, right? Uh, to the federal vehicle fleet, um, and, and and it builds buildings for federal offices, uh, and and so it, it is a business, really. And and so there again, there's been a requirement in the law since. you know, since the mid 1930s, that the government had to give a preference to American-made goods when it was purchasing goods for itself. But that that became weakened over time. And it became weakened to the point that it was almost meaningless. Um, And Biden came into office, he said, I'm gonna fix this, we're we're gonna make it have meaning again. And the rule that the Biden administration announced last week would do that. Uh, It would mean that uh, buy American means 75% of a good has to be made in America as opposed to it was just over half, uh, which will increase the amount of uh, American-made content in government products uh, that that would be purchased by the federal government. Um, There'd be more scrutiny over uh, agencies that want to, you know, waive this requirement and buy something from China, for instance. Uh, And, uh, you know, and so I think all of that is going to be helpful because you just, you know, you just said that consumers, you know, it's we can do something about. It. I think the government can set a great example too for us by saying, you know, if if we can buy American, you guys can find a way too. Uh, and so the other thing that, that that Biden has done is is create a website that would have all both the federal procurement opportunities so that firms know that they can source to the federal government. Hold
1: that thought, because that's really yeah. important. And I don't think people you know know all of the details. And that's a detail, um, now that you say it, I remember I really like a lot. We'll talk more about that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back, talk more about buying American and the rules regarding federal procurement. Uh, we'll also going to talk about not just workers who suffered, but specific groups of workers who suffered. We'll be back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Scott Paul, president of AAM. And we'll be back to you right after this. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Happy Friday, TGIF. How you doing? We are with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, their website for more information and where you can buy American, which is one of the things we're talking about in the show today. AmericanManufacturing.org. And on Twitter, follow them at Made in USA, them being the AAM. And Scott, follow him at Scott Paul. AAM. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, We were just talking about, and and you specifically were breaking down uh, the tougher new rules for the federal Buy America procurement. And before the break, you were talking about a website. So this actually makes it even easier to apply by the new rules, to stay within the lines and to follow the new rules, right?
0: Yeah, it does, Uh, which is great. It's, it's. I mean, people. You know, where do people get their information from these days? It's the internet, right? And so, uh, before federal procurement had been really hard to navigate, uh, unless you knew exactly where you were looking. So, but but the Biden administration essentially set up a hub. It's called MadeInAmerica.gov, MadeInAmerica.gov, and anybody who wants to sell to the federal government can go there uh, to see how to do it, uh, and also to see the waivers that the federal agencies have requested because they say they can't find this or that made in America. And an enterprising person can look at that and say, well, I can make this. Yeah, and so, you know, and, and, and can potentially.
1: So that can certainly help small business owners. It can, it, it can help entrepreneurship and again, more jobs.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean,
1: imagine,
0: I mean, you know what what the web has done for to expand opportunities for small shops. It's also created behemoths like Amazon and what have you. So I'm not going to pretend that it's all been perfect, but it's also expanded market opportunities for, for small enterprises that otherwise wouldn't have access to them. And so I'm excited about the potential. We have a lot more to do, uh, but, but this is a good first step in, in at least getting the government to, have Buy America really mean Buy America, uh, and, and perhaps more of us uh, can follow that example as well.
1: Absolutely. Anything else that you wanted to say on uh, the federal procurement rules um, that have changed uh, for the better for for jobs and for American business owners, uh, but you know, obviously for American workers?
0: Right. I mean, the last thing I'm going to say, and I think this is important, is that this is something that Biden said he would do. He signed an executive order like one of Correct. the first weeks he was in office. He's following through on this, and, and this is a market departure from the last president who talked about this all the time, but did virtually nothing about it. Um, and so it is a, I, that's as political as I'm going to get here. Is and, and people can take it or leave it. But if you look at the record here, you have a president who's actually doing something that he said he would do
1: uh, to make, the government buy American products. Absolutely, you and the AM, a nonpartisan, you're always going to like the president that is going to do the best for manufacturing and for the American workers, for you know, for the working class. So it doesn't it doesn't matter if they have a D or an R. It's the individual who follows through and what they say with regard uh, to manufacturing. And I, I would agree the president's done a lot of that. And I think a lot a lot of uh, people knew that, like unions, you know, that in, and why they supported. Uh, Joe Biden so heavily because he's always been uh, such a a supporter of manufacturing uh, of union workers and things like that. So let's talk about workers. Um, There were more than 5 million manufacturing jobs lost over the past 25 years due to the impacts of globalization. And we are seeing that new research from the Economic Policy Institute, the EPI, shows that the workers of color, people of color, workers of color, Suffered uh, the most. Were you surprised to see this, or no?
0: Yeah, I personally was not surprised uh, to, to see it because I've been to many of these communities around the country and I've seen the devastation that's been caused. I do think that as it comes to, uh, to as a surprise to a lot of people in politics, and I'll tell you why, Leslie. It's because you know it used to be the case where. When you talked about factory do- jobs, it was popular with Democrats and Republicans, right? I, th- I think Trump's talked about factory jobs in a way that was divisive. And, and it was all about kind of like the grievances of the white working class man in mm-hmm. particular. And so the factory person got cast as kind of this white working class man, kind of angry. And the reality is that manufacturing has been diverse for... Uh, a number of decades uh, and in fact gave black workers really many of them the first opportunity to become part of the American middle class. Um, And and again, I think this is important because the vast majority of Americans will not get a four-year college degree. So ladders to the middle class are really important uh, to be able to find. Um, And the, the challenge that manufacturing workers faced Initially, obviously, it was discrimination is that they they would get the janitorial jobs, but not the well-paying jobs. And once the Civil Rights Act came about, that changed. And, and, And when manufacturing became more unionized and unions became much more attuned to civil rights, those opportunities flourished for black workers. And there were many great examples of strong black middle classes in cities like Gary and Youngstown and Baltimore and Detroit. Uh, and I could go on and on, there were tons of them. But then globalization hit and these factories closed down. And what happened was because there was still redlining in practice and all of this, a lot of these workers who formerly had factory jobs entered poverty uh, and these communities entered poverty and were never
1: able to get out of it. Um, And so- And they entered poverty because there was no factory, there was That's no right. job. That was not just the industry. That was it, right? Everybody yeah. in town worked at the factory, knew somebody who worked at the factory or did business with that factory if they owned their own business or worked for a different company. So, um, But but also factory jobs, and correct me if I'm wrong, they still provide significant wage yeah. premiums compared to other sectors, right? So That's it wasn't exactly just right. they had nowhere else to work, but if they did get another job, they couldn't get the same, you know, um, amount of money, the same wages that they could with that factory job. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, a very important points. I think that because you know services jobs
0: increased and those opportunities increased throughout the last twenty years, but manufacturing job opportunities plummeted, and Black workers lost I think something like seven hundred and fifty thousand manufacturing jobs uh, almost out of that. And so and that, that impacted, and again, entire communities because that affects families and it has these spillover effects as well. What ended up happening, if a, if a worker who lost his, his or her manufacturing job got another job at all, it likely had far fewer benefits and it probably paid 20 to 30% less. Uh, and so if you think about that, that means- Yeah, yeah, think about that. You're
1: getting 20 yeah. to 30% less. You're now having to pay for your health insurance, That's maybe right. a life insurance policy, um, you know, you have kids, um, you know, you're yeah. not going to get paid if you had take a day off of work to take them right. to the doctors. I, I mean, whatever that, that's significant.
0: Yeah. Instead of owning a house, you might be struggling to make rent payments. Instead of owning a car, you might be subject to the availability of public transit, uh, which, which is spotty, uh, in some of these underserved communities. Um, and it is a, and then you have less disposable income to spend in the rest of the community. And that makes it harder support a small business ecosystem in the community as well. And so it has massive impacts. And so I think one of the reasons why this this report is important is that it shows pro-manufacturing policies, pro-worker policies have have a good impact, not only maybe for white males uh, who were in manufacturing, uh, also for uh, black workers who were disproportionately impacted by all of this. And so Biden is on the right track. It, just a great example of that. He had a steel worker uh, as, a, as his guest, at, uh, as one of his guests yes, at, at the yes, State yes, Union, yes. Jojo Burgess, uh, yes. who I spoke to, who uh, was, was up with the first lady. And, and and he can say the same thing. Like his dad worked in a steel mill. He found a great opportunity coming out of the military. Uh, and, and his son is in manufacturing. And they're able to have these family supporting jobs. Uh, but But those jobs, as Jojo will say, are far too scarce uh, in these communities. So more manufacturing means more of these opportunities, particularly in some of these really, really disadvantaged communities that have faced structural inequities for decades in America.
1: Yeah, I mean the report. Although you know you see uh, you know the the terrible reality of how uh, workers of color are disproportionately affected. Um, it also offers plenty of reasons to uh, be hopeful. Right. Less than a minute left. Your last words.
0: Yeah, I I think that's the important thing is that if you have a strategy, if you have, and the Biden-Harris administration calls it a 21st century industrial strategy, if you have a strategy to increase these jobs and you're doing other things to make the quality of life better for workers all over the United States, including the right to organize, uh, better communities to live in, and and good benefits, it, it will make a tangible difference. Uh, And so, you know, we'll not return to the manufacturing economy of the 50s and 60s and we don't want that, but we can build a new one uh, that is more inclusive uh, and that has more opportunities, particularly, I think, for black workers who, again, felt the brunt of the deindustrialization that we've seen over the last couple of decades. There's a lot we can do uh, to make a difference moving forward.
1: What a lot of stuff we got in. I learned a lot today. Scott, thank you for being with us. Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Uh, go to the website, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them there at KeepItMadeInUSA. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a wonderful weekend. Be safe, and uh, I hope your weather gets as good as it is out my window.
0: <laughs> Have a good one. Happy Friday. You too.